the general social survey, a nationwide survey that since 1972 has tracked the, the attitudes and the behaviors of, of Americans, found in 2016 that 50% of those who responded to the survey said that they are consistently exhausted. Two decades ago, 18% of us said that we were weary and tired. That's quite a jump from 18 to 50%. In July of 2017, a survey conducted by the National Safety Council found that 97% of Americans have at least one of the leading risk factors of fatigue, which includes working late at night or early in the morning, working long shifts without breaks, working more than 50 hours in a particular week. 43% of the respondents said they don't get enough sleep, and so they don't think clearly at work or make informed decisions or are at their best. Since the late 1970s, observes one writer, Wendell Berry has spent Sunday mornings on solitary walks on his Kentucky farm. He observes the world and then he writes poetry. A National Humanities Medal winning author, last Sunday we spent time with Berry's insightful poem, Sycamore. This morning I'd like to read a poem from a book of Berry's poems, once called Sabbaths. It has now been renamed a timbered choir. The poem reads, I climb up through the field that my long labor has kept close. Projects, plans unfulfilled, waylay and snatch at me like briars. For there is no rest here where ceaseless effort seems to be required, yet fails, and spirit tires with flesh, because failure and weariness are sure, and all that mortal wishing has inspired. So I leave work's daily rule and come to this restful place where music stirs the pool and from high stations, the air fall notes of wordless grace, strewn remnants of a primal Sabbath hymn. And I let go of my hopes and plans that no toil can perfect. I wonder, have you ever experienced what Barry is describing here, that, that projects and plans unfulfilled waylay and snatch at you like briars? Have you ever found yourself, as Barry puts it, in that place where there is no rest, where ceaseless effort seems to be required, yet fails and spirit tires? I wonder this morning, are you feeling tired or weary or exhausted or to someone you know 
feel that way. A child overwhelmed at school or with sports or social pressure. A young adult navigating the pressures of a first job. Those in their later years managing health care expenses. Those of us caring for older adults. In this new year, our series is called Flourish and How to Grow a Great Life. We mentioned last Sunday how 12 months of a year stand before us with limitless possibilities. But it's often difficult to know where to begin or what path to take in a new year. To shape our reflections over the coming weeks, we are focusing on Exodus chapter 20. To set the context, Exodus is the the second book in what we call the Jewish scriptures, and and it renders the story of what happens after God frees the Israelites from being slaves in Pharaoh's Egypt. We pick up the story 90 days after they have set out on this journey to the promised land. And God explains to Moses and the Israelites how to not only be physically free from what might bind us, systems and people, but how to break out of a spiritual captivity so we might flourish. Last Sunday, we commented that while Exodus chapter 20 is commonly called the Ten Commandments, the traditional Hebrew word used to describe these teachings uh, translates more as, as words or sayings. In fact, the scholarly word used to describe what God reveals in Exodus 20 is actually decalogue. Deca meaning ten, and log meaning logos, or or word in Greek. What we're reflecting on then in 2019 are are words or concepts and sayings, and not necessarily commandments. Last Sunday, we began with Exodus chapter 20, 1 through 4, that read... And God spoke all these words. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. That passage led us to consider our first word for 2019, and and that is worship. Or the old English word for worship, worthiness. We asked ourselves in 2019, what might it look like to put that word first? This morning we turn to Exodus 20, verse 8, that reads, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Which brings us to our bulletin cover. Can you guess what those things are? They are actually... Jellyfish. And why are we looking at jellyfish of all things? Outside the International Institute for Integrative Sleep Medicine, the heavy fragrance of sweet trees fills the air, writes Veronica Greenwood in the Atlantic Monthly. The institute is five years old and has already attracted 120 researchers from fields as diverse as pulmonology and chemistry and countries from Switzerland to China. They've come to study why exactly 
living things sleep. Because in a way, it's startling how universal sleep is. In the midst of a hurried scramble for survival across eons of, of bloodshed and death and fighting, millions of things have laid themselves down for a long bout of sleep. Why is that? Why do we sleep? Why do jellyfish sleep? Journalist Ed Young shares that at the California Institute of Technology, they are studying a jellyfish called Cassiopeia, which is typically found upside down with its tentacles pointing upward. And that's what you see on your bulletin cover. They look sort of like mushrooms, don't they? What's fascinating is these jellyfish pulse, so to speak, with their tentacles. You can actually measure the frequency of those tentacles moving, and lo and behold, at night they slow down. They're about 30% less active at night, and even go through pauses where they stop moving altogether. Now, to be sure these jellyfish were actually sleeping, researchers conceived of a terrible experience experiment, at least from the jellyfish's perspective. What they did was they blasted the jellyfish with jets of water every 20 minutes during the night. After each blast, the jellyfish started to pulse more and then dropped back into an inactive state. After a night of this horrendous snooze alarm, the Cassiopeia were less active the following day. By contrast, the same water jets delivered during the day had no effect. Most fascinating was after a night of having these jets of water shot at them every 20 minutes, the jellyfish became more inactive and unresponsive the next day. Jellyfish, in other words were sleep-deprived. Jellyfish need their rest. Why is that important? As Young explains, jellyfish belong to one of the most ancient animal groups which split off from other creatures about 600 million years ago. If they also have a version of sleep, it suggests the roots of this behavior are more ancient than anyone suspected. But as people of faith, such data about jellyfish and their need to rest, well, it isn't surprising. Why is that? By the seventh day, God had finished the work God had been doing, so on the seventh day, God rested from all God's work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all the work of creating that had been done. The God who created, in other words, in the previous six days, the heavens and the earth and seed-bearing plants and trees and great creatures of the sea and every winged bird and livestock, the creatures that, that move on the ground and wild animals and human beings, that God, proclaims Genesis, needed to rest. And by implication, so too would all that God had created. 
plants and trees and birds and livestock and you and me. Rest, in other words, is a sacred rhythm of creation and what it means to be alive. The Hebrew word for this sacred rhythm is Shabbat, which means a day of rest. A version of that word appears in Genesis 2-3 and, and here in Exodus 20. Wayne Muller is a best-selling author and has written a lovely book called Sabbath. He helpfully explains that, that since Moses and the Israelites heard God deliver those ten words or sayings, the, the application of, of Sabbath has evolved over time. The traditional Jewish Sabbath, as you might know, begins on Friday at sundown with the lighting of candles. Those who celebrate the Sabbath, writes Muller, find at that moment you stop and you begin to rest. Early Christians celebrated the Sabbath on Sunday instead of Friday to commemorate the day of Jesus' resurrection. The first Sunday Sabbath received its official recognition in 321 CE when the Emperor Constantine, newly converted to Christianity, declared it a day of rest throughout the entire Roman Empire. And what underlines this Christian concept of Sabbath, Mahler suggests it is the recognition. Only when we stop, we stop working, and striving, do we allow God to nurture us, to care for us, to strengthen us? Jesus says to his disciples, Come unto me, all of you who toil and are heavily laden, and I will give you rest. But I suspect if you're like me, we might be aware of the word Sabbath, Vaguely understand it's part of the seven days of creation and the rhythm of the spiritual life, but more often than not, as Barry puts it, projects and plans unfulfilled snatch at us like briars. To help his readers embrace the concept of Sabbath, Muller offers this wonderful idea. He calls it the Sabbath box. He writes, my friends Zalman and E faithfully keep the Sabbath. While visiting them last spring, they told me in some families it's customary to make a Sabbath box to hold the, the equipment you don't need on Sabbath. Pens and car keys and wallets and phones. On Friday, they explained, someone stands at the door with a Sabbath box, and as people enter for the evening meal, they put in everything they don't want to take into that sacred time. Then we can truly pray, God, there is nothing I can do about these concerns. It is in your hands. Our first word for 2019 was worship. Or that old English word, worthiness. What would 2019 look like if that was the lens through which we viewed this year? Our second word is Sabbath. So I invite you in these 12 months, 
to remember the Sabbath, to set aside time to rest and to allow God to care for you and to nurture you and to strengthen you. How we begin, how we might remember the Sabbath is as in Jewish custom by, by lighting a candle or even bringing out our own Sabbath box. So we might enter into a time of rest where, as Wendell Berry writes, music stirs the pool. And from high stations, the air fall notes of wordless grace, strewn remnants of a primal Sabbath hymn. And we let go of our hopes and plans that no toil can perfect. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.